Well, hello there. Welcome to church. First Peter chapter 2, verses 4, 5, and 6 read, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Thrilled to have you guys here this weekend. We're going to move through those three verses over the course of our short amount of time together. So if you don't have notes, you raise your hand. And as we're handing those out right now, um, I will let you guys know two things. Uh, One, I definitely love summer vacation when I get a little bit more time with my kids. And it seems like at the end of summer, I'm definitely ready for school so they can have a little bit more time with my kids. Um, uh, Our kids are back in school now. We live out in Apple Valley. um, And we'd like to say good morning to our Apple Valley and Phelan and Hesperia campuses. Good morning. Um, Should we? Never mind. We're not going to. But it seems that this summer, I I noticed about when we vacate. Normally, you know, at a family's house, you know, sleeping on on extra couches and beds and stuff. Uh, We're at a rental house this year for our week um, away. And uh, I noticed that we actually do things on vacation that we really could be doing at home that we just don't take the time or make the time for. Um, And my boys were introduced to the magic of Jenga this summer. Um, and we sat down to play. We, we just do more board games, honestly, when we're on vacation. So we're sitting down to play Jenga, and you stack that up, and it's actually pretty good. I mean, it's just a bunch of, you know, like rectangular blocks, stack three, 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 you know, crisscut or whatever. And, um, and, and they'd never played before, so we played a couple rounds of baby Jenga, JV Jenga, easy Jenga. Um, and all they had to do was pull a block out on their turn. It's all they had to do, and don't knock over the tower. And uh, it was pretty easy at first. Um, they kept picking the middle ones, uh, which, you know, was the easiest to do. And then when we played a couple rounds of that, they're like, Dad, I'm good at Jenga. And I'm like, well, we're not playing Jenga. We're, we're playing a, a, a sissy version. We need, to play, we need to play hardcore Jenga. And they're like, hardcore Jenga? I'm in. What's that? We got to, like, punch each other in between turns? I'm like, no, guys, no. All you did... They... <laughs> anyway... What you got to do is you've got to rebuild it. You've got to keep building the tower up. And they're like, oh, where are the extra blocks? I'm like, no, 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 not with extra blocks, just using these blocks here. You got to pull one out from somewhere on the base and build up with it. And, and they're like, oh, that does seem harder to add. I'm like, it is. <laughs> and so then we started playing, you know, this elevated form of Jenga. Now, I'm not going to tell you why I said that. I'll tell you at the very end. I don't got enough time to, to stop and talk about why I brought up Jenga right now. We've got to move. You've got a blank to fill in. We've got stuff to do. Write down built in your first blank. We are built. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, at least a portion of it says, You also, like living stones, are being built. There would be two things that I'd want to tell you about. Just this short little piece of the passage we've got this weekend. I believe Peter had some very life-changing moments in his walk with Jesus. And I believe one of them is when Jesus looked at him and he said, Peter, excuse me, he said, Simon, and Simon's like, yes. And he's like, forget Simon, you're called Peter. And Simon looked back and he's like, I don't know, I feel more like a Simon. I feel kind of like I've always been called that and I don't know, I don't... Peter, it seems kind of, I don't know, churchy to me. I, I think I'm more of a Simon. I'm, I'm a worker bee. I, I'm, a, I'm a fisher. I, I'm a Simon. And Jesus said, no, you're Peter. 
I'm changing your name. I'm changing your identity. I'm changing the way you see yourself before God and others. Because, Simon, I need you to be something on this world, on this earth, that is going to build my kingdom. And so I'm calling you Peter because I see something in you and I want others to see you differently as well. And Peter went with it. He rolled with it. And we're going to talk about a couple of other key moments in Peter's life and his experience with Jesus. But I believe that that was his camp moment. Okay, That was his retreat moment. It was his men's barbecue, you know, mafia, mob boss moment. Where like God had his attention and got his attention in a way that shaped the way he saw his life. And so now Peter, Petros, that's rock, is writing to other believers. And I think it's a very loaded statement when he says, you also like living stones are being built. Now lithos is the word here in Greek. It's not Petros. So he's not saying, hey, I want to have the, you to have the same moment with Jesus that I did. I'm not, I'm not saying that much. But I am saying when Peter calls them stones, I think it meant something to him. He had had this life-changing experience in his walk with God that changed the way he saw himself. And he wants them to see themselves as very important. That's the first thing I would tell you. And the second is connected to it, believe it or not. The second thing is, is, I believe this is important because it elevates the importance of individuals in the kingdom of God. Now let's walk through church history. The early church was completely dependent. Like you could not get away from the importance of individuals following after Jesus because it was a very rebellious movement, not in how they reacted against, you know, the world in in a fighting sort of a way, but it was rebellious in that if you decided to trust Christ, you were a trailblazer. And so the early church was deeply dependent on the individuals in the churches to rise to the surface. Now, I know that, you know, a couple hundred years after the birth of the church, a guy named Constantine decides he's going to formally endorse and even enforce the Christian faith on his empire. And anytime government gets involved in in working with religion, it's not usually a good thing. And it wasn't, it was just, well, what else? couple centuries move on and we have the formalized holy roman catholic church okay and from 500 to about 1500 it was the only game in town for a thousand years the roman catholic church was the organized face of christianity in the world now i know if if you're a church history you know geek and, and you like these sorts of things you know that there are different movements that kind of peel off away from the formalized, ordered religion that it was. You've got monastic movements and, and other little, you know, little pockets. But really, honestly, it was the only game in town for a thousand years. And about 1,500, uh, 500 years ago, a, a group of people decided to protest. And they birthed the Protestant movement, the Reformation. They wanted, they wanted the Roman Catholic Church to change the way they did things, except what they wound up doing is honestly in creating new pockets of Christianity to, to thrive in. And there was this, honestly, I believe a huge part of it was the desire for individuals again to have access to God, in large part in how they could approach scripture. That was a really big deal, but they wanted the elevation of the individual again. But what do dudes do? 
As soon as you get three dudes in a room, one of them's going to try and take charge. That's just the way it is. And so now, 500 years after this, you know, freshening movement of, of, of ele- elevating individuals, we've got denominations again, and we like real trick, quick tried to put everything back into order and systems. And, and so now, when people think of church, they typically think of a church service. A bunch of people sitting down and watching one person talk. And that is generally what we think of. The reason I work through all of that is to say all the way back in the beginning, I believe God's desire is the elevation of the individual to a life of impact in this world. And so Peter was a big deal. He really was. And he had had his life deeply impacted by Jesus. But he writes to the church and he says, you also, like living stones, are being built. It's his desire as a big cheese, as a talker, a teacher, an apostle. He's writing and he says, you guys are important pieces of what God's work is in this world. So, that's the first idea. Second, write this down. We are built together. We're built together. He goes on and he says, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. He says two terms. You're being built into a house and I'll give you, you know, two guesses on what the Greek word is there for um, and a royal priesthood. He's trying to say when you work together as you build God's kingdom, there is a collective effort that achieves something. Something happens beyond just your individuality when you step into God's kingdom and become a part of God's church in movement. One thing is he says, you are a spiritual house. And as a house is framed, it protects something. And I don't know what else to tell you guys other than the fact that God has chosen to frame his glory in this world through us. I think it's a terrible idea. I think he should let people on a regular basis have access to Mount Everest or to lay on their backs out of Joshua Tree and see in the, the starry night sky the, the strip of the Milky Way. I think that there are better ideas that God could use to display his glory, but he chooses to frame his glory through the church, through individuals, living stones being built together into a spiritual house, a a royal priesthood. And, And I think it's very intimidating, but it is very clear that God's design is that he will restore his image in you so he can show his image through you. And so we're built together. So we've got our local church, High Desert Church, it's you know spread across the valley in a number of ways, uh, across four different campuses, ten different weekend services now that God is using our church to to speak into the valley. But but it's it's more than a church service. Most people think of a church: how many people go and how many services do you have? I don't know. We got a bunch of people going, and we got a bunch of different services now. But did you know that our church is much larger than that? As a matter of fact, we're going to do math right now. I want you to make a guess. How many different things does HTC do in one year? I'm going to give you some hints. Gigantic hints. Pay attention. We have 10 adult services every single weekend. 10 times 52 is 520. Just put a zero on it, okay? We also have 10 services every weekend for kids because if you got a service for adults, you got to have one for kids. We've also got 10 every weekend for babies, okay? Because if you got adults and kids, you got to take care of the babies. And there are six services every weekend for students as well. Now, let's blow those numbers out of the water. We've got about 200 adult small groups in our church. And they each meet about 30 times a year. Some a little bit less, some a little bit more. But (laughs) the math is getting harder. We've got 75 groups, actually a touch more, for students. 
that also meet about 30 times a year. So I've given you a giant head start. Write down your guess under the blank, under the verses. How many different things does HTC do in one year? Anything that you get, you're staring at me. Stop staring at me. Write your guess. I'm going to be awkwardly silent for 15 seconds, okay? It's going to be painful unless you're doing math. And if you're doing math, it will be more painful. Go. I know who's watching because you're laughing at me. Do your math. (laughs) Five more seconds. Do your math. What's your guess? How many things do we do in a year? (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. For t- okay, three, two. Give me a slide. I'm going to tell you. Okay, here we go. All right. First thing is this: you're already at six thousand, right? Like your guess was already six thousand because three hundred. I mean, excuse me, thirty times two hundred. That's six thousand small group meetings. You're like, well, it's not different. Yeah, it is. Those are all different things. The small group leader had to prep and get ready because people had questions. You know, you know, if it's hosted at your house that someone was cleaning that house before, during, and after, okay? You know that was true. So don't tell me that these 6,000 events don't matter. They do. Now, give me the next thing. We also had those 75 student groups that meet 30 times a year. That's another 2,250, okay? Give me the 36 weekend services that we do every weekend. Wait a second, you said 10. No, I said 10 for adults, 10 for kids, 10 for babies, and six for students, okay? Let alone all the classes. I'm not even counting the classes that happen. I'm just saying just the church services. We're at another 1,872. And, and I'm absolutely positive, you guys remembered as you're doing your math, you guys remembered all the rehearsals that our bands do, you guys remembered all, all the funerals and the weddings, the, re, the trainings that all of our teams do. I know you counted the camps and the mission trips. I'm positive that you remembered the conferences. I know you guys remembered the support groups we've got as well. Y'all are stressed out, aren't you? Like, I didn't do any of that math. <laughs> Guys, I started to count this up last year because I wondered, what do we do in the course of a year? I stopped counting when I got to the number 10,000. It was too discouraging. I was overwhelmed. And I was blown away that we, that we do this much. But it's easy to think in the modern church movement that all we need is Pastor Tom and a band to warm us up before he gets up. That's the default perception of what church is. But it's not, it's not the biblical truth And it's also, this is exciting to me as a guy that is a talking head and I care much more about following after God than simply talking. I know apostles, teachers, and pastors are part of the gifting. I know that. But this pumps me up. That I I believe HDC is more than just church watching because there are over 10,000 things we do every single year. And it's part of the movement of God in our valley. And I believe a few things. I believe God has a bigger heart for the Victor Valley than even we do collectively. I believe he's been planning on reaching people here for 2,000 years. I believe that God is more intentional with reaching the Victor Valley even than we are, even with our campuses, even with our small groups, even with our missions. I believe God's desire is bigger. But it, it, this number, it's like almost incongruent. Like how in the world? I don't even think we do that. Man. I think you lied to me in church, Pastor Tim. There's no way we're doing this much stuff. Well, it's easier if I break it down and get real simple. Let me tell you about four different teams. Here on the Victorville site, our kids' team floods into the gymnasium building 
and they make an old kind of darkish building that wasn't built for kids ministry in particular and isn't big enough to house what we currently do, they make ministry happen for kids every single weekend. And in large part, my own kids have developed an affection and knowledge about their walk with God because there are people that pile into that building that know kids' names, welcome them, teach them, play games with them, and build their hearts and minds for the cause of Jesus. Now, over in Apple Valley, we've got a team of people that work with students. I don't know if you know teenagers. Um, Teenagers don't love to go back to a school campus on their day off. They really don't. But right now, our church site in Apple Valley meets on a school campus. So we've got a team of people in Apple Valley that work with students. And they make sure that church happens and small groups happen and events happen and camp happens and missions happen because they know that the hearts and minds of teenagers are amazing places for the gospel to grow. And so they make sure it happens on a regular basis. Out in Hesperia, our site in Hesperia is absolutely surrounded by a neighborhood. There's no frontage road. There's no traffic. It's like house, 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 church, house, 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 house. Like if you drive by and you sneeze, you miss it. And so what does our productions team do for the sake of the gospel on our Hesperia campus? Well, they get there early and they stay late. And what they do is they make sure that the message of our church about the the mission of Jesus is very clear and very compelling. Our, Our productions team on all of our campuses make us look and sound better than we normally do. It's so funny. Every time I bump into someone at the grocery store that doesn't, and they're like, you're not that tall. (laughs) Thank you. I don't know what to say. But, but what our productions team does, in particular at Hesperia, is we want Jesus to be loud and clear. And we know that our culture is distracted by a million things, and they're checking their phones during church. And so they're trying to help make Jesus very clear to that community. Out in Phelan. Phelan turns a school campus into a church site. And it's not through prayer, it's through hard work. They get there early and they unpack a trailer that is filled with chairs and TVs and kids games, sound equipment, and they make sure that now that there's an opportunity for the people of Phelan to hear about the love of God through the work of Jesus in our church. It's actual people doing it. And then every single week they graciously turn it back into a school because when we leave, the reputation for him and for us is left behind when a teacher walks into their classroom at 8 a.m. Monday morning. And so they work hard to make sure that we maintain our reputation as well. You see, it's the grace of God that has given us a voice into our valley. But it's also the obedience of our people. It's teams like these that somehow accumulate to the over 10,000 events that we do every single year. It's, It's awfully exciting to see us being built into a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. Now, I would like you to write down this. We're built together on Jesus. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. For in scripture it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will not be put to shame. So this weekend is about inviting you, would you consider joining one of the teams that we've got going on at church? Now, I know that you don't have to be on a roster for you to be using your spiritual gift. I understand that. I believe that. If you're in a small group and you've got a gift of mercy or encouragement, you might very well be coming alongside the other folks in your small group on a regular, intentional basis, and your name's not on a sign-up sheet anywhere. I get it. 
But I also know that there's a lot of people that talk themselves out of using their gifting because it's easy to think that modern American church is about watching, not about doing. But this passage says that you're living stones, you're being built together into a spiritual house, a royal priesthood. And then he begins to say, and this is the work of Christ. And he says he is a chosen and precious cornerstone. Now in the ancient world, when you were building something, you had a cornerstone that set everything in the building level and plumb. And if you're a builder, you know that buildings fall down if they're not level or if they're not plumb. And so you worked hard at the cornerstone. You made sure that it was absolutely level so that every other stone that you set on the building was held into line by the cornerstone. Every other brick that went up was held plumb by the cornerstone. It set everything right. And I want to tell you guys, it is for the glory of Jesus that we do all these things. It is not to keep you busy and out of trouble. And it is not to make ourselves feel important. It really isn't. It is because Jesus sets the world level and plumb that we keep in step with him. And so Peter is writing and he, he, he refers to this. He's got to remember that one time that Jesus was talking about his work in this world. And he says, I'm going to die. And Peter grabs him by the coat and pulls him over and says, Jesus, no, stop. I know that you're discouraged because there's opposition. I know that it is, it is insurmountable right now. But Jesus, don't talk about dying. That's not the way that this needs to happen. And Jesus looked at him and said, that's satanic. You've got in mind the things of man, not the things of God. And man, that had to have burned. And Peter remembered that. But he's like a lot of us. and He's a bit of a knucklehead. And, and so a little bit later, he's in a room. And Jesus is washing feet. And he gets to Peter. And Peter says, no, Jesus, no, stop. Don't wash my feet. This is embarrassing. It's not right. And Jesus says, unless I clean you, you have no part with me. And Peter responded a little bit better and a little bit quicker that time. And he said, then if that's what you got to do, you clean my feet and my hands, you clean all of me. And so now Peter is writing to the church and he says, I know it is intimidating to consider that God's glory would be built on your work. But you are a spiritual house. You're a royal priesthood. And the thing that will maybe compel you to step into a role at our church is the fact that Jesus is the cornerstone. And as you continually walk and work for his good, he will set things level and he will hold things plumb. Pastor Tom is good. He really, truly, honestly is a good leader and a good man. But 10,000 events every year, that's the work of Jesus through us. I, I love the guys that I work with here on a regular basis. They're good men. They really are. They care more about Jesus than themselves. They love others more than their own reputation. But our collective leadership can't keep 10,000 things a year on track. That's the work of Jesus. And so as we dismiss you in a moment, I would love for you to consider, maybe God could use you this year. Maybe church is bigger than Pastor Tom and a band. Maybe your life could be built. And as you step into it, you, you probably do have to trust that Jesus as a cornerstone will keep you level and plumb. But I just think that we can't, here's what we can't do. We can't jenga this. As God continually gives us more and more opportunity in our desert right now, it feels a little bit like we're just rearranging all the pieces. And the people that have been faithful to build our church for all so many years 
are being stretched and stretched and stretched. And we'd love for you to step in and fill in. But I know it's easy to look and like, well, no, look, you keep building Jenga up. God keeps building his kingdom further and further and I'm not needed. Eh, that's not true. It's not biblical and it's also not true. Because at a certain point, you can only go so high unless that base is strengthened. And when you're willing to step onto one of our teams, you strengthen us. You strengthen the gospel. And I'm telling you right now, Jesus will also strengthen you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the call to step into ministry with you. And God, you know, as well as I do, that there are opportunities for people to step onto teams today. And Lord, you also know that we've all got our own misgivings, our, our thoughts that maybe we're not right for this. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to consider in the space that we're giving folks now, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to consider maybe there's a spot. Maybe there is something that I bring to the table. And God, I pray that you'd be clear with each of us what that would be. Lord, ultimately, I pray that these things would be honoring to your son. Father, I pray that your son would continually make things straight in our lives. And God, I pray that you give us enough courage to keep chasing after what your heart is for our valley. God, help us to never be settled on the fact that we can check a box that things are done. Lord, you still want more in your family, and so, Lord, we do too. So send us out in the name of Jesus. Amen.